Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I'm Claudio Relsano. And I'm Steve Mancini. We appreciate you listening, as always. Tell your friends about this great show. Some of the topics that we've been talking about, different funnels of income, dealing with rejection, pivoting to a new career. When Steve and I talked about doing this show, the one thing we really wanted to do is share our stories to have impact on people. We've also had some guests on, like Jerry Cooney. We're going to have Donnie Lalonde, light heavyweight champ of the world on, Jim Rooker, former Pirate World Series hero, and a few others. We have a very special guest today. He's a new friend, Tom Liturgy. He has been in radio. He writes. He's involved in wrestling. He's involved in everything. He's a graduate of California University of Pennsylvania. We'll, we'll talk about some things like uh, with, with that. And on top of that, uh, he's also the vice president of Keystone State Wrestling Alliance. He's he's all over. He's like me. Does different things, and he does them well. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I've been looking around for the special guest. I guess you were just... No, it's you, I brother. guess maybe you didn't show up. So no, no, it's definitely stuck you. stuck with me. Well, it's funny you say that. And anyways, well, you're fine. <laughs> no, it's definitely uh, for sure. Now, let's start off. One thing, I didn't know a lot of these things about you, but radio at 16. Tell us about that. Actually, at 15. 15, I started at uh, WRML Radio, a 500-watt AM station in uh, Portage, Pennsylvania. If you look at a map of Pennsylvania and you see Altoona and Johnstown, right in between there is a little town called Portage. That's where I grew up, and uh, I was in high school, and uh, there was WML changed to WRML uh, in the early 80s. A gentleman named Bill Henderson came from uh, New Jersey, bought the uh, radio station, and he posted a classified ad in the Portage Dispatch looking for volunteers to run uh, the radio station. And I loved Lanny Frateri. And I loved radio. Radio was my very first love. And here's my opportunity to be on the radio. So I answered the call. My mom took me up, and it was a uh, little, uh, at the bottom of the transmitter tower, there was a cinder block shack. <laughs> and at the bottom of the cinder block shack was the radio station. And it was just a couple of uh, live mics, a couple of desks, and I, at the bottom of the hour, I read the sports right out of the Johnstown Tribune Democrat 41 years ago. And I used wow. to do that, and then... Uh, I don't, to this very day, I don't know how it happened. My friend Bill Nadolski, who was a great uh, all-sports uh, athlete at Portage, somehow was the DJ, and he got in before me. And <laughs> I didn't a small-town America. <laughs> I, I didn't know how that happened. And, uh, but then when Bill went to play uh, basketball, I, I did uh, news at the top of the hour because actually uh, the guy who did the news at the top of the hour, he was a small-town police officer and he got a job and there was an opportunity and I took off news at the top of the hour sports at the bottom of the hour and then Bill went to play sports basketball so I did all three for a while and then recruited some friends from high school and we did that for a while and in uh, 1983 uh, 40 years ago I was excited that uh, I we got a call about Mount Aloysius Junior College men's basketball they wanted to do games on the radio. So I was the sports guy, and they asked if I wanted to do it, and of course I did. So the very first thing I did was go to the Portage Area Library, in the high school library, and learned everything I could about basketball. Because mm-hmm. I was only a, you know, I liked, the, I liked it, but I couldn't, I wasn't an authority. So I had to go, and I read about it, and, and I did that for one season. And uh, uh, they, didn't re, they didn't renew the contract. I don't know why. You know, uh, Bill, God rest his soul, passed away a year or two ago. Wasn't the best businessman in the world, but gave me my opportunity. And I was able to write him a letter some uh, handful of years ago when I found an address to thank him for everything. Yeah. And then like two years ago, he passed away. Uh, Do any of those tapes survive still? No, no. Uh, no. Be curious to hear what you sound like 40 years it later. Would be. I was thinking of that too. Yeah. What was funny is I did have some cassettes from when I was at California University of Pennsylvania. And uh, I was watching a Sylvester Stallone documentary. Yes. And he was, he was going through some cassettes uh, at that. his desk. And I'm like, 
I have all these cassettes, and I didn't realize that they still made cassette players. Mm-hmm. So right then and there, I uh, ordered on Amazon. I ordered a cassette player, got it a couple of days later, and enjoyed myself listening to whatever I could find from the morning show, a couple of the sports broadcasts. That's bad. You yeah. know, but, you know, we all that's, say that. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's how you learn. That's when right. you're, you how know, is the business of radio? We're going to jump around here. A lot of things to cover. How has the radio business changed from then to now? Well, I've really been out of it since uh, the late 80s. Uh, well, well, let me actually, ask you this better question. You're, you're still doing a lot of, you know, uh, announcing things. Mm-hmm. Like, how has that business changed from then to now? Well, the funny thing is I learned long ago I probably would have said something stupid that got me fired from a radio station. So I, I it <laughs> welcome was, it to was my good. world. I <laughs> it get was, it. It was probably, probably for the best. But when I graduated, you know, I had six years of radio experience by the time I graduated college. And, you know, I did, uh, I did mostly sports. I did uh, news and I loved news and I learned to write and I started to write in, in California and I graduated and I didn't want to be a DJ. And at that time, talk radio really wasn't that big of a deal and uh, mm-hmm. around 1990. And I really didn't pursue anything. And I actually went into sales, radio sales, and learned pretty quickly that I was not very good at radio sales. But then uh, I stumbled into a uh, freelancing uh, writing. I did some writing. I did occasional broadcasting here, this, that, and the other. WANB, I did a year of... Uh, Sports for them down in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, doing high school sports back there. And I got a job at KQV Radio in 97 and 98. I did news. I filled in for Eric Hagman, who was then the uh, sports uh, Mm -hmm. broadcaster in the mornings. One of my favorite jobs of all time. And then, uh, uh, you know, I went back into print because the money was a little bit better anyway. Well, the irony is, is how much everything you said, everything has changed. Talk radio almost keeps radio alive mm-hmm. because nobody turns on the radio to listen to music no more mm-hmm. which is not they're going online they're going to all the streaming services and it's funny you, you got into print and print is i don't want to say dead but print's pretty much yep. gone yep so it is funny how much things have changed uh, and, and it isn't that long ago and, and you know it's like we have a radio show with our italian impact weekly we, we aired on the radio and a lot of people say yeah why are you gonna do it on the radio I don't know. Just a little nostalgic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how to explain. It. I'm. I'm probably very similar. I'm not too much different in age from you, and I still see radio differently than the way somebody now sees radio. I, I, I don't know what it is. There was just something magical about being on the radio or being on TV. Now everything is just so. I guess cheap is the word. I mean, what do you think? Well, absolutely. Because back in the day. Every little town, you know, we had, Portage had an AM radio station. In that town, that was as big as KDKA here. Right. You know, that was our KDKA AM back then. And Ebensburg had a radio station. I worked there one summer in between my uh, uh, sophomore and junior years at Cal U in the, uh, in the summertime I worked there. Every small town had a newspaper and they had a radio station. Now most of the radio stations are owned by big conglomerates right. uh, or smaller conglomerates that, uh, that kind of muscle everybody out. And you, you hear the same voices. You hear, you know, there are some people that have been, you know, weekend DJs from the time I moved here in 1990 to this very day. You know, they still do the, the part-time stuff. Uh, you still hear a lot of the same voices. A lot of the voices are interchangeable. I'm not saying that I would be any better. I probably would have said something stupid that got me fired. But especially these that's days, the way, yeah, 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 that's the way. Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Now uh, you're in wrestling, Keystone State Wrestling Alliance. Before we get into that, you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan of the '70s and '80s. How has wrestling changed? And uh, not to put you on the spot, I kind of put you on the spot on my show. Is it better, or is it just the way it is? What What are your thoughts? My thoughts are a little different. I'm the executive vice president and uh, ring announcer for the Keystone State Wrestling Alliance. Mm-hmm. That's number one to me. I pay attention to what you know the corporate Monday and Friday shows do. I pay attention to what they do on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. You know the the secondary uh, AEW. Sure. You know is the secondary <clears throat> brand. I really don't have enough time to watch Impact or any of those other federations. 
my focus is doing what we do locally here in Pittsburgh and the, uh, and the surrounding areas, fundraisers. We had nearly 25 live events for the KSWA last year, a lot of them fundraisers from the American Legion to, you know, cancer uh, support fundraisers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, too many to list, and I'm sure that, I'll, you know, the food bank, you know, we did a lot of uh, events to, ben- to benefit groups, and my focus is the guys that wrestle for the KSWA to create that legacy. What I've always told the guys is, I want you someday in the future to be able to tell your grandkids, I used to do something cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that. And, and I have, I write about it. I consider it to be just as serious as football, as basketball, sure. as baseball, as anything else. And I put those gentlemen in that realm uh, because it is important to them. It's important to the industry and we're recognized for it. Uh, you know, we find out more and more all the time. We're recognized for what we do. We did a big, uh, you know, we did a couple of events, live events, not live events, but uh, stops in the community yesterday. Nobody goes out in the community like the KSWA does, year in and year out, all through the in the wrestling the world. You mean? Yeah, in the wrestling yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't hear of any. I don't know of any ever. I don't know of any local. I don't know of any local sports organizations, you know, uh, semi-pro or anything like that, that that does things like that. It's, it's you know, Sean and Lou and Bobby O and the KSWA Championship Committee. There's a lot of people that are the faces of this organization. And um, that's what I was telling the guys, you know, in one demographic, you're the face. In one demographic, you're the face. In one demographic, I'm the face. And together, we are able to establish something that's really very special in, uh, in the world of professional wrestling. Now, you did, you kind of mentioned some of the other, you know, the bigger names. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you, do you ever feel like it becomes saturated at some point? Oh, or yeah. You, oh, yeah. I'm a bit of a historian of uh, all of wrestling. And I did a class at CCAC on the history of professional wrestling in Pittsburgh it was one of those people. People saying they actually had a, uh, you know, got credits for that. No, it was you know it's a, it was a two night. Considering event. some of the classes that they do get yeah, credit yeah. for, I would say there's a lot worse than that. But, um, <laughs> but what really started it for me is uh, I rode up to the uh, uh, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, New York. We were in the car with Dominic Danucci, Bruno Sammartino, and some of our guys locally. And one of the guys that was inducted that year, 2012, or, yeah, 2012, was the French angel Maurice Tillet. Yeah. And, and on the way back, Bruno said, the French angel Maurice Tillet, who is he? I never heard of him before. And that sparked something in, in the back of my mind. If it wasn't for the French angel Maurice Tillet, there wouldn't be a George Animal steal. He was the original freak. He was the original. And then I, you know, there's a guy named Tom that does a, is the expert on uh, Maurice Talley. And I've gone back and I've gone back 120 years to see exactly what happened in, in, in Pittsburgh in professional wrestling. And what I always said was my, my class, I did everything from studio wrestling backwards, yeah. you know, from everybody talks about studio wrestling. Oh, I was, yeah. I was. I was born in a different time and in a different uh, market where right. I didn't get to see Bruno in his prime Batman. for one second. Yeah. yeah, Batman. I didn't get to see any of those guys in their prime. I got to meet them afterwards. Found Robin. There was a, yeah, a Batman right. and Robin. <clears throat> Robin never really wrestled except for maybe one or two times. A guy named Alex, who's still alive in up, upstate New York, I found him. There was a guy that they thought was this guy that sadly had taken his own life and this, that, and the other. So who's going who's gonna to de- delve into who Robin was? And there was all kind of urban legend. You know, he never wrestled here, blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is, aside from maybe one time for photographers, never really wrestled at all. And a couple of different stories as to what happened. Um, but I found Alex, and I was able to talk to Alex. And brought his story to the forefront Good. as to 
to what happened. Well, I told you, that's how I got introduced. I was on Bank Street in Swickley in 1971. I never cared about wrestling. I seen the Batman. I said, oh, my God. That's what it was, the Batman with two Ts. Mm-hmm. And then his real name was uh, Tony Marino. Then Bruno comes on. That was it. That was it. But um, Vince McMahon. Uh, first of all, two, two questions real quick. You, you talk about studio wrestling. Guys my age still, it, it, just like me, what I just did right now about Bruno and Johnny Jim and Johnny DeFazio, and you mentioned George Steele. And I watch, I told you, I watch every single night. It's the only thing that gets my mind off things. Studio, I mean, not studio, WWF at the time, WWF, interviews and matches of the 70s and 80s. But do you think that these guys today in your federation, WWE, someday will be talked about with such reverence the way we talk about the Brunos, the Dominic Danucci's, and so on and so forth? I think so, but it's going to be different. You know, you see it today with John Cena, who, you know, they're starting to call him the greatest of all time. Mm. You know, the, on WWE television, yeah. you know, they... 16-time world champion, blah, 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 15, whatever he is. Yeah. You know, they, they're starting to refer to him as the greatest of all time. And I think you have to do that just to keep that legend alive because okay. there are so many people that watch it today that don't watch it. I, I don't watch much of it anymore because mm-hmm. I'm creating our own stuff. Right, exactly. But I do pay attention. I, I pay attention to some clips, you know, when The Rock showed up a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, you know, CM Punk showed up at the last second. Right. Real showman stuff, kind of things, and it's and it's bigger than it's ever been financially. It's been it's bigger than it ever was, and yeah, they have to tell their own story as to you know John Cena is the greatest. They talk about Roman Reigns being the greatest champion of all time because of a three year reign or whatever it is, but then you really go and you look to see how many times Hulk Hogan defended in that same or Bruno three year period total. or Bruno in that same three year period. It's not the same because no. Bruno and those guys they had to wrestle seven eight times a week sometimes right. because they made their money wrestling. And that was the same way with Maurice Talley beforehand and all the guys that were legendary wrestlers back in the day. If they got hurt, you know, that was it for them. You know, they had to come back and, you know, they were much tougher back then because they had to be. Um, but, yeah, it's, but yeah it's, it's a bigger corporation than it ever has. I sadly sold my stocks too soon. But, uh, you know, it's what it is is, you know, it's – it's still great Americana. Which leads to my next question. And I don't know the answer to this. I, I kind of waffle, go back and forth. First of all, Vince McMahon, to me, if people talk about Gordon Sully and uh, Lance Russell and all these other guys, to me, maybe because I grew up watching, was the best play-by-play announcer, uh, blow-by-blow announcer ever. Now, but as far as the ownership and everything else, Vince McMahon, good for wrestling or bad? To Tom Liturgy. Good, good for wrestling, you know, no doubt. Um, you got to remember, the guy's only like 78. His mother just died a year or two ago. We're not getting rid of Vince McMahon anytime soon. Even he's, with the sale to UFC, when there's always rumor he's going to be. It, there's always going to be a rumor that he's around, you know. Um, you know, he was, in my estimation, he was a serviceable uh, play-by-play man, and he did, a, he did a great job for what he did. I was a Gordon Soley kind of guy, and again, I, I never got to hear the um, I never got to hear studio wrestling and Chili Bill Cardill. But oh, he was, Chili Bill Cardill was great. Is universally <clears throat> recognized as the guy who, if he wanted to travel, could have been the guy. No doubt. But he wanted to stay here. Great friends with Lori Cardill. Bill Apter uh, just recently made a uh, comment about how. Bill Cardill was was the greatest professional that he ever worked with. Good guy, and, yeah. You know, so again, I was able to meet Bill Cardill later on in life, and uh, we inducted him into the KSWA Hall of Fame. One of the greatest. Uh, it was Jumpin' Johnny DeFazio, Chuck Martoni, and Chili Bill Cardill all in the same uh, arena at the Glass same time style. for the uh, Hall of Fame. Ten years ago, next year. You know what he did uh, in October. The, the awards banquet. Yeah, I yeah. think so. We were at the awards banquet for our boxing show, which we didn't win, but we should have. But he, he's friends with Bill Apter. Bill Apter is the 
guy in wrestling, the writer, everybody, Bill After. So he called Bill After to leave me a message, a video message. Hey, Claudio. And I said, damn, Bill After, you know, said my name. But uh, go ahead, Steve. No, I was going to say, you, you made me kind of a little nostalgic before because I'm thinking, when did I start watching wrestling? And I think some of the first stuff I watched was Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which was on late night. Figures. I, a black, I had a black and white TV in my room, and I'd be a little, little kid. Well, what is this? <laughs> and the, the female wrestling is a hell of a lot different now oh, yeah, yeah. than yeah. back then. You yeah. know, but I remember Glow. Charlotte. Well, but now. <laughs> it's a little different, it's, yeah. Well, everything's different. Everything's I mean, different. But because I remember whenever, and I remember the big thing was, and you guys probably remember this. Was remember when they were when Cindy Lauper and Cat Malone oh and, they, and they were gonna yeah. they were gonna change wrestling and make it, it more did. It, it it did but it was Crossover. such a but it was a legitimate um, almost beef between like they they just they took it to the next level you they know that's why really when you asked did. about Vince McMahon I mean whether you like, love him or hate him he took it to another level and that's kind of where I'm going at it like where do you go now I'm not saying you've done it all but you know. There's a lot of leagues or kind of, you know, it's like, what what's the next step? Where do you go with it? Well, you know, with the the WWE in particular, they're just going to, they're just going to truck along, especially now that they have new ownership and they're doing different things. And, you know, you're going to see different things. You know, CM Punk came back after 10 years. They said, you know, heck froze over, wasn't yeah, going right. to happen, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. You're going to see things like that happen. I... I never wanted to because there are people who are much more vested in this than I am. I want I want to read the book on AEW from the rise and the fall of AEW because it's it's always been it's always been run like a poor independent wrestling show, but it's a guy that has his dad's money and he has no one to answer to and he can do whatever he wants and he allows the inmates to run the asylum, mm-hmm. all the cliches, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's fun to watch um, because it's you know it's it's something different to watch. WWF WWF when I was coming up was again Bruno and then Backlund and those guys and shifted over to Snooka, but it was still great, right? Then they went then uh, as as Steve said the rock and roll connection. Then you had kind of the cartoon era. Then you had the attitude era and more of the sexual stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then they started going back to the wrestling. What is, if you were to describe your federation, the Keystone State Wrestling Alliance, what would you say it is? Well, it's, people have told us it's, you know, kind of like studio wrestling. We have our, we have our critics out there, you know, do we, do a lot of our guys look like some of the guys that came in from Chicago or, you know, do any of our guys look like Bruno San Martino? No. Our champion is Lou Martin, the KSWA heavyweight champion, third time more than a year now. Uh, Ten years ago, I wrote the thir- top 35 KSWA megastars of, of all time. Uh, he was number one. I have to review that in uh, 2024 because it's a 10-year anniversary. He'll be the first to tell you he's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but he does what he does, uh, and he does it well. Um, And, you know, last week they had a uh, fundraiser for this group home in Coriopolis that uh, we are great friends with, and uh, the KSWA was front and center, and they talked about the KSWA at the end of the night. The guys had great photos with Greg Brown, Mike McHenry, you know, Shelly Duffy, you know, uh, Bob Pompiani, all of these, you know, big hitters when it comes to, uh, you know, sports celebrities in Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was really a special night. I wasn't there, but it was a special night for those guys. Mm-hmm. And it just legitimizes what we do. Right. So we're, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a reminiscent of studio wrestling. We've been called an heir to studio wrestling. There isn't going to be the same kind of, uh, you know, live live on uh, Saturday nights on uh, Channel 11 anymore. But, you know, we travel more than anybody, and we have a lot of live shows, um, and we go different places, and we raise a lot of money for folks. Now, a lot of, you know, people talk about Bruno and Jumpin' Johnny and Dominic DiNucci, which you can share some stories uh, about him. For me, you know, Vince Kaplack, uh, my best friend, uh, big-time Vince Kaplack is the best out of the independents. And really, including, you know, I put him up there with, with, the, uh, with his career and what he did, you know, 11-time champion, junior light heavyweight champ, or junior heavyweight champ. You know, 
so you got Bruno, you got Dominic Tanucci, Jumpin' Johnny DeFazio, Vinny, uh, Dominic Tanucci, uh, Kurt Angle. Pittsburgh is very well represented. Larry Zabisco mm-hmm. is very well represented in, in uh, professional wrestling. Who is that next guy? Vinny hasn't wrestled in years, but who? But he was, you know, like I said, I don't know if you ever remember, he was a fantastic wrestler. He's great on the mic. Aerial maneuvers, had a great look the whole nine yards. Who is that guy now? Well, in AEW, they had Britt Baker, uh, who was from Punxsutawney. They say she's from Pittsburgh because she went to dental school here. Um, You know, she's kind of got the shaft in the past year or so. Her real-life boyfriend's Adam Cole, and he's been off television injured. And the story is that she's looking after him. But, you know, there's no reason you can't be on television one day a week. But, uh, you know, she has been out there. There is Lee Moriarty is a uh, is an independent wrestler that uh, wrestled a lot locally that is on AEW. Elias used to be on WWE. He was Sam. Uh, uh, Sam Elias? Is that No, you're thinking of yeah, you're thinking of a different guy. There okay, was, um, uh, Walk with Elias. Okay. He had a fake brother, Ezekiel, I think okay. was his name for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was there for a couple of years, very good, uh, uh, physique, very good worker. He's the guy that had the guitar. He would come out and he would, he would, he would start to sing a little bit. And I introduced him once about 10 years ago in an independent show. Very nice guy. But then really, you know, uh, Corey Graves is from Pittsburgh they say he's cleared to wrestle now because he had a neck injury. He should never wrestle again because he has a great job with a microphone. Very, very smart guy, very talented guy about what he does. He should should stay there until he doesn't want to do right. it anymore. But Sam's his real-life brother, Sam Adonis, Sam Elias. That's who I met. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, nice kid. He is a good guy. He's wrestled with us a couple of times. <clears throat> he and uh, Ray Lynn, his real-life girlfriend, moved to Texas to be able to wrestle in uh, different areas down there. Very good guy. She's very she's very good. Um, but those are people that, uh, you know, Sam did have uh, – a contract in the WWE uh, several years ago, and he'll be the first to tell you that he, you know, he crapped that opportunity away. But uh, you never know what could happen in in the future. He's he's done a lot of good on his own. Well, I'm talking about the organization itself, though. You know, obviously been around, involved. You know, now you're at the point where you have a good history. You've been going a while. What's next? The 24th year, the 24th anniversary of the KSWA uh, is in February. Um, We had a Hall of Fame event in November, quickly turning around. And uh, where our show, our our home now is at the American Legion in Sheridan, the Sheridan neighborhood within the city of Pittsburgh. We've had, uh, it was, the original was the Bloomfield VFW. Mm. And then we moved to what was the Lawrenceville Moose. Many of us were on the uh, the Moose Governing Board, and that was an uphill battle to have an urban social moose isn't the greatest thing in the world. I don't know of any anywhere that's really... I'm trying to think where the VFW... I grew up in Bloomfield. Where's the VFW at? Um, there's that grocery store. Uh, where there's right behind Kroger. Yep, there's a mural painted on the wall. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, so it was there, then the, uh, the moose... Um, when uh, the moose went away for a ye- couple of years, we were at the Teamsters Temple on Butler Street in Lawrenceville. And then when Spirit reopened, we went back with uh, Spirit for a couple of years, decided to go our separate ways there, more of a music venue now than, than we are. But then, uh, you know, we were a traveling road show there for a couple of years. And then no one has been more welcoming to us ever in 23-plus years than the American Legion, Don Scholes, and the volunteers and the others at the American Legion over in Sheridan. Just had Fan Fest there on December 2nd, um, and we'll be back there in January 6th. And our first three, our next, uh, next couple of shows are there at the American Legion as well, including our 24th anniversary in February. So is that the next event? No, it's um, it's a Battle Bowl. is January sixth. That's our version of the Royal Rumble. Every ninety seconds, a new competitor comes in, and the uh, the winners. There's an ultimate winner, and then there's uh, they have uh, the the final four guys have opportunities for belts throughout the year. It's great storytelling. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that's that's our next one. Uh, some stars from the past, some some new people, you know, some a lot of our normal guys. You know, it's I I enjoy that one because sometimes we we bring somebody back and and surprise people right. and and that sort of thing. So. Uh, we get, I got a, got a message the other day from somebody that wanted to be in it. So it's, that's what we do and starting to talk about. One of the things that I like to do is the uh, Hall of Fame, which is going to be in uh, March. That's actually March. I think I said February. Our anniversary show is in February and then the Joe Abbey Memorial Tournament. I think that's in March. That's our Hall of Fame night. And we talk about the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the Brunos and the Dominics and the, uh, uh, all of the people that have been inducted into the KSWA Hall of Fame. Then we also have incorporated people like Vince uh, that have, have distinguished careers in western Pennsylvania that, that we honor. They're, that's what it was when we had it in November. The guys that we had uh, in November was probably the most most appreciative class that we ever had because yeah, they should be. You know, they remember me. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. And 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 no, that's important. It is. It is. I've called gentlemen on the phone and hear them get emotional on the phone. That's right. And our radio friend Bubba the Bulldog is on the uh, the morning show on the on the radio. They called him to ambush him. He's on with uh, Melanie in the morning on one hundred point seven. Guys called in to. Um, to surprise him because two of his friends were going in and he had no idea and they said well you know the uh, another reason we decided to give you a call today was you're the next inductee into the hall of fame KSW hall of fame and he goes we're gonna have to go to a commercial yeah they had, they had, <laughs> that's great because the fans can behave the way they want that's up to them yeah but to the wrestlers again it's back important. to Vinny. so forgive me i i met him when he was in i believe eighth ninth grade i coached him in high school but that's all he talked about. Yeah. And then to to go see him in '95 fight, first time I because by that time we were best friends. I got emotional for him, and I know how important it was for him. I mean, it is besides his family, wrestling is is everything to him. So it is important oh, to, it to is. these guys, it and, and hopefully we can is. get him into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> A plug for Vinny. But um, now two things we're going to talk about. I want you to talk about Slam Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing for that, but also I kind of touched on how have the fans changed today from yesterday, and and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Which fans appreciate the 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 wrestlers more on the local independent scene? They appreciate. Well, what I mean, the, the eras, like in the '70s, because it was really, a different fan. Oh yeah, everything's a different <clears throat> fan. The '80s, I think, uh, was a again. I was I didn't get to see a lot of the seventies. We didn't we didn't have cable until eighty three. I started watching it with Hulk Hogan. I, you know, went back to see stuff in the past, had to had to play catch up on a lot of this stuff. The eighties with Hogan and in uh, the what they call the Crockett promotion, sure. NWA. Yes, with, yeah, yeah. We just had Nikita Koloff and That's Magnum right. TA in for FanFest on December second. There's that iconic scene where Magnum in real life had that terrible car accident terrible. that altered his life He was going to kind of be the next Hulk Hogan type yeah, thing. Yeah, he permanently altered his life. So he was the number two behind Dusty Rhodes. He was mm-hmm. the number two good guy in that promotion. So they had to find somebody to do that. So what did they do? They brought in the arch nemesis, Magnum TA's arch nemesis, the ruthless Russian Nikita Koloff, and there's a, there was a, Dusty's going to the ring, and Nikita's right behind him, and they go to face off a, some members of the Four Horsemen in a steel cage, and the people are just going out of their minds, because what is Dusty Rhodes doing? Does he know that Nikita's behind him? <laughs> you know, and the people are going out, and they go in, and Dusty attacks him, and <clears throat> Nikita stalls for a second, and then he, he has Dusty's back. And the place just goes berserk. And it's like th- those are phenomenal moments. WrestleMania three when Hogan body slams Andre the oh Giant. Oh, yeah. You know, many people body slammed, including Bill Eady from Uniontown, sure. Pennsylvania. Many, many people over the years had body slammed Bruno, I mean, uh, Andre, Andre the Giant. 
But it and Hulk Hogan had even body slammed Andre the Giant before 1987. In 80, but, yeah, yeah, in 1980 <laughs> he did it. But it never meant more than when Hogan, you know, up and over in front of 93,137 fans or whatever. Yeah, they, it was crazy. What they say it was, yeah. but. That was my favorite. And then, like you had mentioned, the um, uh, the Attitude Era as well. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who didn't want to go, you know, tell their boss to shove it? You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And the, they always talk about the pop that the glass broke when Mick Foley won the WWF championship yeah. for the very first time. Iconic moment in wrestling history. and. Something that I'll go back and listen to every once in a while. I'll go back to that YouTube video right, and right. watch it. You know, um, we were talking about the fans. In 80, it was January of 80 or, or early February, we were at the Quaker Valley Gym playing basketball. And there was this guy that we knew, Mr. Vaccaro. He comes in and he said, uh, there was the big uh, Bruno Zabisco fight. They were, just so you know, Steve, they, for real, in real life, Bruno trained Zabisco and brought him along and got him different federation uh, matches and so on and so forth. Well, he comes in and he said, Zabisco turned on Bruno. Yeah, okay. No, no, he really turned on Bruno. He hit him in the head with a chair and blood. We didn't believe it. Midnight WOR wrestling, we watched it. We're trying to call each other when it happened around 1220 at night in the morning. And we didn't have caller waiting back then. It was, But we couldn't believe it. And then Zabisco, they busted up his cars. He got stabbed. I mean, they re- oh, how yeah. the hell could you turn on Bruno after everything he did for you? And he really did do stuff for him. But the, the whole angle was that Zabisco was tired of being under his shadow. Yeah. But the fans, you know, like the Iron Sheik, when he came up, oh, he, yeah. he, he could not go. Not, he's, he was finished popular, but he couldn't go across the street. They were going to get him. Uh, but, but the Zabisco thing, they, I went to, that was my first match at Civic Arena when Zabisco fought Bruno. And man, oh man, was it tense, the fans, because Bruno was just loved. I love Bruno too, but I wasn't going to bust Zabisco's car up. But yeah, there yeah, was yeah. people who were real. Oh, One yeah. time, Tony Atlas was fighting Ernie Ladd, and the same kind of thing. And I remember people walking up to the thing, how could Ernie Ladd turn on such a nice young man like Tony Atlas? Now, that's missing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they... That was great storytelling. and um, Oh, they sold it so Oh, bad. yeah. There was a time in 2010 in the KSWA, we had a guy named uh, Anthony Alexander, still with us, but he was a babyface, and he turned on somebody at a fan fest. And uh, there was a family that came to the shows religiously with their daughter, and their daughter went home, and we had, at the time, they... We had a short period of time, we had posters of the guys. And she went home and she tore her poster down. Yeah, and, that's and good. Tore, and tore it up. You know, it was... <laughs> that guy did his job. He did his job. And that's going to go down, you know, that's going to go down in our uh, our pantheon of, of history, you know. It's think, our, think about it, like I said about Zabisco. He did his job. Yep. And, and there was uh, Killer Kowalski, as you know. They stabbed him. They did all kinds of stuff. When he went back to the locker room, they said, Killer, are you okay? Said, yeah, I did my job. I, I did what I was oh, supposed yeah. to do. Slam wrestling. Tell us about that. Slam wrestling is probably the mo- is probably the premier online source for professional wrestling anywhere. The reason for that is there's a ton. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a uh, a uh, wrestling uh, blog or a website. But we do things. Greg Oliver. Uh, Bob Kaptur, uh, a lot of these, a lot of the writers are excellent journalists before they, uh, uh, before they, uh, you know, authors, they're, you know, they, they're, they're writers, they're excellent writers before they have ever focused on professional wrestling. Just honored to be a part of it. One of the, year in and year out, they, a lot of the obituaries are the most read things on the website because we have stories about people that are important to wrestling that you never heard of. And you know, they catch on with certain, certain markets and certain fans. And uh, it's a source for obituaries, sadly enough. And uh, I wrote a piece on Virgil, who is a, yeah. is a Pittsburgh... He uh, didn't pass, product. did he? No, no. I wrote a, a 
a lot of people question about Virgil because he has an online persona, much like what the Iron Sheik did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't quite as um, popular. Wasn't quite as <laughs> popular. Wasn't quite as crass. You know, this yeah. that, and the other. Uh, but it was, you know, the uh, same kind of machinery where these guys wrote for Virgil. Mm. Um, so it wasn't Virgil's voice. He very, you know, he didn't even have a uh, internet. Uh, you know, he didn't do any of that stuff. But I, some friends, Mark Charles III, who's a dear friend of mine, a, a referee, has become a, a great friend of Virgil's, takes him uh, all over the place for appearances. And one of the things that they did, uh, you know, one day I just said, you know, we got to do a story about what Virgil's really like. And I did a story for Slam Wrestling about what Virgil's really like. And it ends up being the third most viewed story of the year that was not an obituary. So I take, uh, I take pride in that. But yeah, Virgil Did lives. you have to end it with, and by the way, he's still alive. <laughs> no, the, I, think the, I think the picture, the <laughs> relatively recent picture, uh, was... Gave uh, it away. Gave it Hopefully. away. And, uh, but no, he, he still lives in, uh, I'm not going to say the town, but he lives in, in western Pennsylvania. Uh, he has his health issues. There's uh, rumors about health <coughs> issues I'm not going to go into because they're just rumors. He is um, he's still alive. He, if, you still, if he walked in, he's very frail looking, but you would still immediately know that it was Virgil. But, um, you know, he is um, he, he's still out there, and he makes appearances from time to time. Mark takes him. Uh, another friend of ours, Ken Jugan, uh, who wrestled forever as Lord Zoltan. Right. He used to do that as well, but uh, Ken has his own uh, health issues, and he has not done a lot of that in recent years. God bless uh, Ken. He's going to be getting a, a hip uh, replacement or a knee replacement mm. here sometime soon. But um, another good, like I said, another good friend, another guy that was a, uh, a mainstay in the independent scene for 40 years. And again, with storytelling, we were able to honor Ken Jugan for his you know, the KSWA honored Ken Jugan for his 40 years in wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, those, I kind of went on a tangent there, but uh, that's what I do for, uh, I just did a, uh, comes out on Thursday, uh, later this week, I did a review of the Iron Claw movie. The, yeah, I'm looking forward to the seeing The Family that. of the Von Erichs. I uh, do an occasional book review. I am behind. Sorry, Greg, I am behind because, you know, my... My day job, and then in addition to that, writing for a couple of newspapers that actually pay. Uh, <laughs> they they sometimes take uh, they take precedent. That's for sure. That's Paying for the sure. bills is always number yeah, one. That's right. That's right. Good. No, just really quickly because we're we're kind of wrapping it up here. But I do want to ask one really quick question. You know, all things considered, you know, we can all talk about wrestling. It's big. It's a snap. But but those guys are pretty banged up by the end of their their lives. Oh yeah, I, mean, a I think lot people of don't are, appreciate what they're, yeah, yeah. what they're what they're you know. I get it. It's entertainment. But at the same time, you still get thrown around. Yeah, those guys are up. those guys pay a price. Oh, for sure. I think people should sure appreciate that what sure they're doing they do. for you. Even on the independent scene, where we only you know, only twenty five events a year, there's a young guy that works with us, Joshua Cavado, great talent. He has announced that. 2024 is going to be his last year. I don't think he's 30 yet. Uh, if not, he's in his early 30s. But the guy goes full tilt all the time. And uh, the injuries start to, to nag. And Sean Patrick, a referee who has been around for more than 34 years, he just officially retired as a referee. Even as a referee, you get banged up. Sure. You, you know, even you know, jumping onto the mat and you know, with your knees and your back and and all that. Uh, he he refereed with us and other places and and uh, wrestled before that. And a lot of our guys, King Dell Douglas, is quote unquote semi-retired. He's had uh, some neck injuries, but he's still out there every once in a while. I expect him in Battle Bowl. But you know it does it does take it. Well, I, I, you probably see the dark side of the ring. You probably watch the documentaries. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, and you, you, a lot of these guys, I mean, now a lot of it was steroid driven. A lot of them, you know, later on, you know, these guys. I mean, you, you see that. That's the other thing. You see the difference between the guys in the '80s and early '90s. I mean, they were huge. And I do see the wrestlers now are not. It's my opinion. I don't think they're as big as those guys. But I think those guys were. You cannot tell me that they weren't all juice. I mean, they were huge. And you see it when most of them are suicide, rage, murder, something. You're like, wow, it's it's crazy what what it took out of those guys. Yeah, the, the thing is, 
and I was a proponent of this for a long time, too. The wrestling is a land of giants. You know, your Andre the Giants, right. your Hulk Hogan's, your Ken Pateras, all of these. The mighty Zulu, who was a, yeah. another wrestler from the Pittsburgh area, uh, had a world-class physique in 1980. There's a picture in the Post-Gazette of Muhammad Ali, you know, kind yeah. of awestruck by this muscle-bound guy. Uh, superstar Billy Graham was really one of the first that had that super physique. But then, I, again, I'm a historian. I paid attention to stuff that happened beforehand. They were all big guys. A lot of the guys were big guys. But then Jim Londos, who's arguably the, the most popular professional wrestler in the history of the business, was five foot eight and 185 pounds. Wrestled in the 30s and 40s and 50s. You know, Gorgeous George wasn't a muscle-bound guy. You know, they were all, they were all fit. They were all, you know, uh, but... You know, it, back then, John, Don Leo Jonathan was considered. Oh yeah, a giant, yeah, because he was know? six seven, six eight, yeah. whatever he was. Uh, yeah, he was considered a giant. Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd, six foot nine. I'm impressing you with my wrestling knowledge. My the older stuff. If we want to talk eighties, I'm good. But yeah. then I, I left the country for a bunch of years in the nineties, so I'm <laughs> out of touch. You know, more Maurice Talley was. You know, uh, somewhere between five foot seven and five foot nine, and you know, a little bit over two hundred and thirty to two hundred and fifty pounds. You know, he he was a big barrel-chested guy with huge hands and an mm. enormous head and and everything else. But you know, they were on the road all the time. Then a guy like Jim Cornette, who has a podcast, they talk about you know the the Midnight Express. Those guys weren't jacked because they were riding in the road, stopping at uh, you know fast food joints all the time. They weren't, they didn't, they didn't have the ability to go to the gym all the time. And you know the '70s and '80s were really that time. And you're right, it's not as prevalent. People get laughed at uh, sometimes today. Like Adam Cole is a guy that doesn't look like he's worked out a day in his life but you know he's an accomplished professional wrestler he hurt a lot uh, daniel bryan is another guy that is uh brian danielson you know he's another guy no no taller than i am very uh, very lean guy uh one of the greatest wrestlers and then there's uh, claudio Castagnoli, who's six foot six and it looks like he's chiseled out of granite but I don't know what his regime, you know, regiment is. But he's not Hulk Hogan big, you know, and that that sort of thing. I gotta finish with one quick story. A friend of mine's a great chef, Jimmy Zapero. Love Jimmy. We've been friends since we were little kids. You can say whatever you want to Jimmy. Let you go, but don't criticize his food at all, right? So he had a place in Beaver County, and the waitress calmly comes in and says, "Jimmy, some guy doesn't like your linguine and clam." What? He doesn't like your Linguini and Clams. Now, Jimmy didn't tell me the story. Five other people did. So that's a little runny. Well, but Jimmy's snapping. Jimmy's got a, about 6'4". Jimmy's a big guy. Jimmy snaps. Well, you, he said he wants to come in here and show you how to make it. Well, bring him in here. It was Andre the Giant. Now, you think the waitress, <laughs> she didn't know who he was. But Jimmy, there's this guy out there that's the size of a mountain. And everybody told me the same story. The guy comes in. Jimmy goes, Andre, what the... What is wrong with my – and they were back there cooking and stuff like that. But that's uh, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned Andre the Giant. But, uh, Tom, we wanted you on this show and, and to talk about uh, a little bit behind the scenes of wrestling and everything like that. And, uh, as I said, good man. Uh, we've become friends this year. And uh, just what Chris Corciani say about writing personal letters? That's what he does. He's a great guy. does great way. Very well respected in the wrestling world. And uh, we appreciate you uh, coming well, on. It, it has been great. My friend Bill Kai was in a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Oh, I've listened yeah. to a lot of the That's shows that you guys appreciate have done. That. I'm just a schlub. You know, it's, nah, I'm glad all. to be able to be no, here. But not at all. That, that was one thing that on the business end that I wanted to talk about a little bit. If, if I may have a sure. second. Sure. It's just about writing. We're not on the radio. <laughs> we can have an extra minute. Writing personal correspondence. I, my wife looks at me, I, God love my wife, she's my, she's my uh, ride, or, ride or die. Marion uh, will say, you know, you know, writing letters and writing cards, why? Why do you care about the mail? You know, things of that nature. And I like to send things out to people all the time. And uh, I was up for a Golden Quill Award in the spring, and I did not win it. There was a story that was done on WTAE. Channel 4 anchor Mike Clark's son, who had passed away. And uh, Mike Clark uh, st started a uh, uh, scholarship in his son's name. And uh, so I wrote a little card to uh, Mr. Clark, and I sent it to 
Channel 4. Never heard anything back. I very rarely hear anything back. Claudia was nice enough to respond. But I very rarely hear anything back. Last Saturday, I was covering an event for the Valley Mirror, a weekly newspaper that I contribute for in the Mon Valley. And I went to North Braddock for this Christmas event, and Mike Clark was there. And I said, oh, hi, Mr. Clark, how are you? And I said, you know what, I just wanted to say, we were up against each other for a golden quill in the spring, and he stopped and he goes, you wrote me a card. And I said, yes, yes, I did. And he goes, something happened, and he, and he didn't, he says, I'm an email guy, I'm not, but I got your letter, and I, I meant to write back to you, but I never did, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much for that. And that's why I, that's why sure. I make, a, make somebody feel good about what they did. Uh, you know, I've, I've sent cards and letters to friends. And, you know, they talk about uh, in professional wrestling, in the independent scene, they talk about the rivalries and things of that nature. I send Christmas cards to the other promoters of, of note just to say, you know, we're not rivals. You There's guys room for do us what all. You, There's room for us all. You guys do what you guys do. You guys do what you guys do. And you, you all have a good product. And I like you personally. So I send them, I send them a Christmas card. And you know, never got anything back. But uh, a box of uh, road apples. <laughs> we, we know a guy who would do stuff like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right. Well, Tom, again, we really appreciate you coming on. You're a good man. We well, wish thank you continued gentlemen. success. And, uh, thank you. I'd just fun. like to, if I could say just really quickly, say hello to my son, Taylor, who may or may not listen to this somewhere down the line, a, a firefighter in Manassas, Virginia. He and wow. his wife. Liz, they uh, lived, uh, she works for the uh, EPA, uh, my uh, beautiful wife, Marion, of uh, the past seven years, and uh, we have three, uh, together we have four kids, Corey, Kevin, and Allison are our stepkids, my stepkids, and uh, greatest thing that's happened to me in uh, many, many moons. That's nice, very nice. Very Th- nice. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Thank we you. Hope you. By enjoy the way, I used, to live in, I used to live in Burke, Virginia, so I know exactly where Manassas is, so that's fantastic. <laughs> All right, but Dan, thank you very much for the thank time. You. That was thank actually you. entertaining because, uh, you know, we've never had a, you know, such a foray into wrestling. We, we're, always, we're always blasting the bad coaching of the Steelers, the bad oh, organization we, of the Pirates, and the staleness of the Penguins. And now we had something different, so we appreciate it. Well, I, I mean, appreciate I do. the opportunity. Awesome. Fun. Yeah, right. We could do the, those blasts <laughs> all day long. All right. Once again, we uh, all hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did. Tom, thank you so much. Uh, Joe Hill, thank you. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.